Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Paul's advice for his summer intern. All right, have you guys ever been in a situation where you had to just flee for your life? You had to get out of there, okay? I had one, and for me, it all started in the sixth grade. It was Valentine's Day, and there's this girl in my school, and she really liked me, okay? And you know, I'm a tall guy. I have that problem a lot. There's a lot of girls that like me, okay? But um, this one, there's something very different about this girl, okay? She wasn't like other girls. And of course, um, it's what's in the heart that matters, right? It's not about your outward appearance, but this girl, she didn't have brown hair. She didn't have blonde hair. She had green hair. Her hair was green. And she liked me. It was Valentine's Day. And when I was walking into class, somebody walked through the door, and it was her. And in her hand was a flower. And I knew who that flower was for. And I wasn't going to be the only sixth grade guy in that entire class holding a flower and carrying it around all day. So I decided right then and there that I was going to make her the only girl trying to give somebody a flower and holding it for the rest of the day. I wasn't going to accept it, okay? Here's what my plan was. My plan was to escape. Wherever she went, I was going to go somewhere else. I was going to avoid her. So walked into lunch. I left lunch, okay? Walked into class. I went as far away to the other side of the classroom as I could to get away from green hair girl, okay? Wherever green hair girl went, I went somewhere else. I got out of there. Now today, we're going to look in scripture at a situation that's even more terrifying than green hair girl, and even worse for you guys, okay? So turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right, so Timothy, he was Paul's, um, Paul's right-hand man. He was like a son in the faith to Paul. And uh, just like I am a summer intern this year, and I've been under Pastor Thompson. Pastor Thompson has taught me so much, taking me under his wing. Timothy was like Paul's summer intern, in a sense. He was like Paul's intern, just like I'm Pastor Thompson's intern, okay? And uh, Paul had a special place in his heart for Timothy. Paul, um, he took Timothy and invited him to come on his second missionary journey. That's how much he loved Timothy. And he wrote two letters to Timothy. We're looking at 1 Timothy, the first letter that Paul wrote to him. And um, a lot of this letter, it focuses on issues in Timothy's church that he was a pastor of. But um, right here, we're going to be looking at a specific spot where it's more um, just advice for Timothy directly. Not about the church, but just for him personally, all right? So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So today, Andy, Jeremy, and I, we're going to be doing a tag team message, looking at three points from this verse and passage right here. And those three points are flee, follow, fight. All right, say it with me, everybody. Flee, follow, fight. Good. Say it again. Flee, follow, fight. 
Say it again. Flee, follow, fight. I want you guys to remember that, all right? So you can go home today and you'll know that the three points were flee, follow, fight. Good, you guys sound amazing. You got it, okay? So I'm going to be preaching on this first point, and that point is flee. Let's look at verse 11 again. It says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. The first command is to flee. Um, now, what are we supposed to flee? Let's look at um, the context, because context is really important here. Let's look at verse 9. It says, but they that will be rich fall on temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we he see here that the thing we are supposed to flee is the love of money. Now that word flee, it comes from the Greek word diaphugo, and it means literally to escape. So it's not just avoiding something, right? It's not avoiding the love of money, but it's fleeing from the love of money. It's getting away from the love of money, going the opposite direction. And just like I escaped from the impending doom of green hair girl, Paul is saying to flee from the love of money. But I mean, he doesn't say flee money. He says flee from the love of money. And the verse says, they that will be rich. It doesn't say those that are rich. So if you have a lot of money, like me, I'm just kidding, uh, you don't have to worry. You're not supposed to get rid of all the money that you want, okay? It's not about people who are rich. Having money is good. But it's talking about loving money. It's talking about cherishing money more than the things that actually matter. And uh, God, God shows us in his word that you can't follow worldliness and God at the same time. Because they're in two entirely different directions. Over here is worldliness, and over here is the things of God. And you can't follow after both. You can't just walk in a straight line right between. If you're following after God, you're going to be walking away from the worldliness. So in essence, if you're walking towards God, you're fleeing worldliness. Okay, so I'm from Spokane, Washington. And uh, about three or four years ago, I was kayaking with my friend Paul down a river. And while we were kayaking, we came around this corner, and the river was going pretty fast, and it was really narrow. And as soon as I rounded that corner, I saw something. I saw something that freaked me out, and I turned around, and I yelled at Paul, and I said, Mama Moose! And he's like, Mama Moose? What does that mean? And I said, there's a Mama Moose right there. So while we were kayaking, I turned the corner, there's a huge mother moose and three babies with that moose, okay? And it was dangerous. Like, I don't know if you guys have experience with moose, but they're extremely dangerous. They can hurt you really, really bad. So what we did is I turned around and I started kayaking as hard as I could against that river current to get away from that moose. We paddled and paddled and paddled. We had to work for it because that river was trying to pull us towards that moose. But we paddled and paddled. Eventually, we got away, got on the land, and we got to wait until the moose moved. Okay, now that moose kind of is a good representation of worldliness because in the world we live in today, it's pulling you. The world is pulling you downstream towards sin, down worldliness. It's more than ever right now through TV, through everything you see, everything you see on the internet, the world is trying to suck us all in to the ways of darkness and the ways of sin. So here's what you can't do. You can't just put the paddle down and do nothing, okay? You could be like, yeah, I'm just going to do nothing. I don't have to be fully following after God. I don't have to be walking away from worldliness. I'll just do nothing. Because the current is going to pull you in. Unless you're 
consciously going away from the ways of worldliness, you're going to get sucked right in down that river. So you have to paddle. You have to keep going. You have to flee, get away from the things that you're not supposed to be in, and go towards God. Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, while I was on the canoe, okay, I was able to get out of the river, but you can't do that. God doesn't want you to just completely come out of society and live alone in the forest by yourself in a cabin so you don't see any of the things that the world has. You can't just get out of the river. You have to paddle. You have to flee. You have to go against the current and fight to flee away from the things that you're not supposed to be in. We have to actively fight against sin, okay? Um, there's a guy named C.T. Studd, and he's one of my personal heroes. I love C.T. Studd. I have a bunch of C.T. Studd quotes. They've been my phone wallpapers. At one point, I had some put up on my wall with tape just because I love to see the way he lived for God. And he was a star cricket player. I know probably none of you guys watch cricket, but back in those days in England, cricket was the number one sport, and C.T. Studd was one of the top players in the entire world. And C.T. Studd, he got saved while he was a cricket player, and he loved God so much and wanted to serve God with his whole entire life so he just quit cricket. Um, there's a, a little joke obituary written for him that said he died that day because he left the sport. He was gone. That'd be like LeBron James just saying, hey guys, I don't want to play basketball anymore because I want to go be a missionary. That's what C.T. Studd was like, okay? And he has this quote. He said, I knew that cricket would not last, and honor would not last, and nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. He knew that cricket wouldn't last. All that fame, that stuff was nothing to him because he knew that the only things that last in life are the internal things. So what about you? Are you willing to flee the things that are contrary to godliness? What in your life do you need to flee? Think about it. Is it the shows you watch? Facebook? Is it your reputation? Okay. Guys, God has so much for your life, but how much are you missing out because you won't get rid of those secret sins in your life? God can use you to change the world for him. He can use you to change people, to be a light to the world. But how much are you missing out on? Because you won't give up your reputation. How much are you missing out on? Because you're not willing to let go of your wealth in a way that you need to, that you're not willing to be generous. We want to hold on and have that, that good view in other people's lives. That doesn't last. That doesn't last. Now, C.T. Studd, God used him to do great things. He went to China, led so many souls to Jesus in China, led so many souls to Jesus in India too. And he left a legacy. He had disciples too that he trained, and those people then used their gifts to glorify God too. C.T. Studd, he gave up things that didn't last. He gave up worldliness. He gave up the love of money. He went away from those, got completely rid of those things in his life, and then he followed after God and made a difference with his life. I know for me, when, when I get rid of the things, Instagram is something personally. When I, when I just delete Instagram, it's kind of hard, but then it feels good. You get rid of it, and I feel happier. I feel like I'm doing something that actually matters because I don't have that worldly distraction in my life, and I can just focus on Jesus. So we all have weeds in our life. We all have things that we need to pull out, we need to flee from. Are you willing to find those things, think about them, and then take them out of your life to make a difference for Christ? So we see the first step is to flee carnal things. But now what's going to fill that new empty space in your life? You can't just get rid of the bad. Now Andy, he's going to show us what to replace those things with. All right, so 
we're gonna start over here. We're gonna work our well ourselves over there. So we're gonna have a one minute music lesson. If you've heard of the term dissonance, we're gonna apply it later in the message. So dissonance is a lot of tension in music and it has a lot of displacement in the structure of a song. So you have your basic one chord, right? Okay, then you have a dissonant, abstract kind of feeling to that chord, adding to the one. That would be dissonance. So as we move from the one to the dissonant chord, you want that to resolve. You want the tension to resolve, right? So you move back from the dissonant to the one. Happy? Okay. So we're gonna tie that in a little bit later, but like Micah just talked about, the same way that we need to flee from hurtful lust, the same way that we need to flee from that love of money, we need to replace that with following after a godly lifestyle. We need to replace that with following after the things of God. In our passage, we're going to focus on the second thing that Paul taught his intern, Timothy, to follow. When we take off the old things that we used to do, we must replace them with something good because if we don't, that empty space, that open space that was once filled with sin, that was once filled with hurt and lust and all the bad things. We don't want that anymore. We have to replace it. And so Timothy, or Paul tells Timothy, his intern, he says, flee. But he also says to follow. But what are we supposed to follow? We can't just run away from the bad things. We have to run towards the good things. So a little bit of an illustration. My mom is going to hate me for this. But I have a picture of my backyard. And this, at the moment, is our backyard. <laughs> not proud of it. But it's a bunch of dirt and brown grass that's not even grass. But my point is, if you don't flee, this is your life. If you don't follow after the things of God and replace this, you're never going to get anywhere in your spiritual life. There's no way that the grass in my backyard will turn green unless I water it or unless I plant more grass seed because let's just say that needs some help. <laughs> Who can relate? Who has a backyard like this? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Paul writes the Ephesians about this too in Ephesians 4. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is key. And that you put on the new man. You can't just put off. You got to put on, okay? Which, after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Without the putting on of something, you'll never grow. Without fleeing something and following after something else, you'll never, ever grow. It's not till we put off these carnal things that Micah, talk, that Micah talked about, the fleeing the love of money, fleeing hurtful lust, and fleeing sin, that you will grow. When we turn away from sin, we have to turn to something. So let's read this verse again in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. It says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, which is what Micah talked about, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, 
patience, and meekness. As Paul tells his interns to flee and to follow, it's kind of crazy, but within this verse, he gives us six things that will help us and fit right into how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to love God and how we're supposed to love people. So the first three things are what? We have, help me out, help me out. What do we have? Righteousness, godliness, and faith. How is your heart towards God right now? Now, to follow after these things means to take away the parts that hinder us in our growth. That's what we talked about earlier. There's no way you're going to reach righteousness, godliness, and faith without fleeing first. But what does this look like? How do you have a good heart posture towards God? What is keeping you from Him right now? Because like Micah talked about, there's no way we can get to God. Well, that didn't make sense. Okay, so there's no way that we can follow after these things without fleeing first. So Paul's tell, Paul tells Timothy in verse 5 of uh, 1 Timothy 6, he says, False teachers think that godliness is connected to gain, that the more wealth or material possessions you have, the more godliness you possess. But Paul, in that same verse, says to run away from that. He says to withdraw from that mindset, to withdraw from that idea. To live in a way of godliness from a worldly perspective is to be materially wealthy. But this is not what Paul is telling us to follow after. It's not enough that we flee the bad things. We have to follow the good things. Now these three, these help our vertical relationship with God. Righteousness, godliness, and faith. Each one of these things that we follow after help us in our relationship with God. But all that ties into how we're supposed to love people. These are, these are the aspects that work with our relationship with God, our vertical relationship. But our horizontal relationships follow after these things. So when you work on yourself, when you work on your relationship with God, that's when you'll get rid of the dissonance, the tension with people. And it's kind of funny because when you're not right with God, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way, but when I'm not right with God, I'm not right with people. When I'm not right with God, I'm not right with people. It's harder to be right with people and to love people when you're not right with God and when you're not loving God when you're not following after righteousness, godliness, and faith. Now, the next, thing, the next three things fit right into our horizontal relationships. Next three things are what? We have, help me out, help me out a little bit. We have what? Love, patience, and, okay. So, we were on vacation this week, and it was slow. Let's just say it, we were in Minnesota. It was fun, don't get me wrong, but it was slow. So it's a lot different than California. You know, Cali California, you have cities and cities and cities. Minnesota, you have to drive 20 minutes to get to another city. California, the next city is like five minutes down the road. So in Minnesota, it's a lot slower. And so on vacation, here's the illustration. On vacation, let's just say I was around my brother a little bit more. And I have a lot of 
things I need to work on, especially patience and love and meekness. I have a lot of things I need to work on. And sometimes, sometimes I get a little frustrated. We'll use that word. Sometimes I get a little frustrated with my brother and that creates dissonance. That creates tension in our relationship. But the reason there's dissonance, the reason there's that tension is because I'm not following after these things. The reason that we're not right with people is because we're not following God first. That's where it starts. Here's where where it becomes a little easier to follow these things. If I follow the first three things, the righteousness, the godliness, and faith, if I'm right in my vertical relationship with God, it becomes so much easier to be right with my brother. It becomes so much easier to be right with every one of you, with my fellow interns, Jeremy and Micah. It becomes so much easier to be right with them if I'm right with God. But here's the cool part. Each and every day when we follow after these things, there's growth. It becomes easier each and every day as we spend time with God, as we flee sin, as we follow after these six things that Paul gives us, it becomes so much easier to produce growth in our life and in the people's lives around us. And that's what it's all about. I can't yell at my brother one moment (laughs) and be in perfect relationship with him the next moment. But you and me, when we follow these things, when we give into ourselves, when we die to ourselves, there's a daily process of growth that takes place. To flee carnal things and to follow godly things is a daily process of growth in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. As we take out the carnal things, we have to put on the good things. Now, we're going to get real here. What you do here matters. And all this ties into this. We make, well, the average person, I don't know if I'm the average person, but the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. That's a lot of decisions that we have to filter through this book. That's hard. That can be a hard life to live if you're not living right with God. It can be a hard life to live if you're not living right with people. What you do here matters. Every decision matters. When you're at home by yourself, when you're in the car listening to music, every decision you make to turn on the radio and listen to godly music matters. When you're at home with your family and you have the urge to yell at your brother, that decision to not yell at my brother matters. And when I don't yell at my brother, God's glorified. When I make the decision to tell someone about Jesus, that decision matters. When I make the decision to spend time with God and his word each and every morning, that decision matters. So how do we do this? How do we follow? We have to be right with God first. 
And then after that, we have to be right with others. After being challenged to flee from hurtful lusts and following after these things, these righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness, Jeremy is going to show us how these two steps of spiritual growth prepare us, our church family, to fight the good fight of faith. All right, so we've seen how Paul challenged Timothy to flee foolish and hurtful lusts, right? Uh, Micah showed us that. And then, and then Andy just reminded us that simply fleeing these things isn't enough. You, you have to be following after something. Uh, that illustration of, of uh, weeds and brown grass, you, you have to replace it with something. And then finally, in verse 12, we come to fight. Flee, follow, fight. Open your Bibles back up, or, or maybe they're still open, to 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, and read it, read it aloud with me at fight. Ready? Begin. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. In this verse, Paul is advising his summer intern that in order to flee these worldly lusts uh, and desires and then follow after righteousness, you must be prepared to fight. This, this saying, fight the good fight of faith, is a very, very common Christian quote. You probably see it on, on Instagram captions or, or maybe on t-shirts. Uh, it's a very common quote, fight the good fight, right? But what does it mean to fight? Well, the word fight is, is defined as a confrontation or a struggle. Uh, let me tell you a story about the time me and Jason almost got into a fight. So, so earlier this summer, not, not a fight with each other, by the way, but a fight with someone else both of us. Uh, earlier this summer, Jason, Jenna, and Micah, uh, and I were on a trip to visit some friends in Las Vegas. Um, and we were in the airport, and Jason was being his, his usual uh, crazy self. He's, he's hilarious. And he, he said something that really made me laugh. I was like, that is funny. Say that again, but at this time I'm going to record you, and I'll like put on Instagram or something. And, and so he stopped. He's just standing there in the middle of the airport, and I'm over here recording him, and he's saying something. I don't even remember what it was, but as he stops, Right here, there's this other guy that's walking. He's probably, probably late to his flight. He, he looked a little flustered, and he almost runs into Jason, and, and he's frustrated. You can tell he's visibly frustrated. And so, and so he steps back, and he's like, he walks around. He's like, bro, get out of the way. And, and I've, I'm over here recording. I'm like, he did not just say that to my little brother. He did not just snap at him. And so, and so I put the phone down and said, bro, chill. And, and he's, he's walking over here at this point. And, and right when I said, bro, chill, he, he turns around, he said, what did you say to me? And he steps towards me. And uh, this guy, he's, he's, wearing, he's wearing a tank top. He's very, very big. He's a buff guy, uh, pretty, pretty muscular. Definitely didn't want to get into a fight with him, right? So he says, as he says that, he says, what did you say to me? I said, oh, never mind, never mind, it's, it's fine. And I walk away, I turn my back to him. Luckily, he just goes on. Hopefully, he caught his flight. Um, and then we move on. But, but as Jason and I were walking through the airport, and Jenna can attest to this too, we were talking, we were like, you know what? He was big, but... There were two of us, you know, like if he had actually wanted to start a fight, we could have probably taken him. You know, th this guy is he's huge. He looks, like, he looks like he works out maybe five, six times a week. And, and you know, Jason, Jason, stand up uh, so we can uh, see. Jason and I, you know, we work out. Yeah, that's my little brother. You can sit down. Thank you. Jason and I, we work out three or four times a year. So, so maybe, maybe a, a little bit close to that level. And we're like, yeah, we could, we could take him. Um, and in me, I, I'm kind of 
personally, I'm, I'm not one to shy away from confrontation. Uh, I, I definitely, my siblings, my parents can attest, I'm definitely probably the most argumentative in our family. And, and naturally, I just don't really shy away from fights. But when it came to time, when he stepped towards me and he said, what did you say, bro? I said, oh, never mind. And I tried to de-escalate the situation, right? And this is because naturally, most of us will try to avoid the fight. Maybe, maybe you're more like me, you're more confrontational, or maybe you, you try to avoid any fight that you can. But naturally, when it comes down to a physical altercation, we're, we're not about that, right? And I would just say most people avoid any confrontation they can, which is, is usually a good thing. But, but in this passage, we're gonna learn about a fight that Paul says you should take, and that is the good fight of faith. And we're gonna see three characteristics tonight about this good fight of faith. And remember, keep in your mind that this fight, although it's kind of a vague term, fight the good fight, is the idea of fleeing after worldly lusts and following after righteousness. That is the good fight of faith. Uh, so my first characteristic we wanna see is this is a rigorous fight. The second part uh, of 1 Timothy, uh, Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. You see, Paul realized that fighting is a struggle. And, and so why would he encourage Timothy to lay hold, like hold on to this eternal, uh, eternal uh, life? That's because the truth is, as we go about our daily lives, it's not always easy. And sometimes it can be, it can be easy to forget what we're living for. Uh, and Paul encourages him to hold on to this, this hope of heaven, that even though it, this fight may not be easy today, one day we're going to see Jesus' faith, and it will all be worth it. Fighting is hard. It's a struggle. First point, rigorous fight. Second of all, I want us to see that it is a required fight. After lay hold on eternal life, it says, whereunto thou art also called. Now, if you have ever really had to fight for something, I'm not talking physically, but, but fight for something important to you. Maybe, maybe you had to fight to keep a relationship. Uh, maybe you had to fight for someone that you care about. Possibly you, you've had to fight for your own reputation. Um, in any of these instances, the fighting wasn't easy, but you still chose to take the fight. And, and why, why is that? And the truth is we fight for what's important to us. And that's because the reason in those instances, the reason that we are fighting is more important to us than avoiding the conflict of a fight. And I hope and I pray, and Paul is encouraging Timothy, that this fight is important. This fight of fleeing worldly lusts and following after righteousness is crucial. Uh, it says, whereunto thou art also called. It is a requirement. Now, there's a saying, you know, pick your battles and, and choose your battles. And, and in, in life, you're going to have to choose some battles, whether or not uh, you realize it. Sometimes you don't realize it and you just don't take any battles. But the truth is you choose whether or not to take a battle. And I think, I think the sport of boxing is very interesting in this aspect. It's the boxing, uh, if, if you're familiar with it, is the only sport where you choose your opponent. Kind of. You, you kind of choose your opponent. When it comes to basketball, football, volleyball, all of those teams, they don't get to pick who they're fighting. They, they have a set schedule. But in boxing, you can be kind of tactical about it. You know, you can, you can think, hmm, I'm a rookie fighter. I've fought in two fights before. I probably don't want to fight 50-0 Floyd Mayweather. You know, that, that wouldn't be the smartest decision. But 
you can choose to take a fight that you think you have an advantage in. Uh, maybe, maybe you would be fighting against, a boxer would be fighting against someone and he has a little bit more reach. So, so he knows that he has a little bit more reach and even though maybe on paper is a better boxer, he thinks that his matchup gives him an advantage. And, and it's just interesting to think about choosing your battles. And, and oftentimes in life we try to speculate so much on, on which battles we should take. And maybe in your Christian life you've thought, hmm, is it even... Is it even worth it to fight this fight, to, to flee after a worldly lust and to fall after righteousness? Is, is it worth it? And Paul exhorts Timothy, this fight is your calling, whereunto thou art also called. So, so first it is a rigorous fight, right? Second of all, it is a required fight. And then third, I want us to see it is a rewarding fight. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 if you could put that up on the slides. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, which was our passage, is Paul's first letter to his intern, right? Uh, and he's encouraging him to fight this fight. Now, fast forward 2 Timothy, the second letter, and Paul is speaking to him from a little bit of a different perspective. He's, he's come down to the end of his, end of his life. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Now, if you're paying attention to those words, maybe you hear in Paul's voice this, this sort of satisfaction. And he's talking to Timothy, he says, I've, I fought a good fight. Timothy, I, I did it. And it's, it's so worth it. It says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now think about all the things that Paul went through in his life. He, he was shipwrecked. He, he was beaten. He was imprisoned. He went through some very difficult stuff. And all of it was because he chose to take this fight. And, and that's the truth about the fight. When you choose to take this fight in your Christian life, it's going to be rigorous. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some struggles and some confrontations that you just don't enjoy and, and may be really, really hard to go through. But Paul encourages from, from a, a wise man who's been, <laughs> been serving the Lord for a long time, he encourages Timothy, I have fought a good fight. Timothy, it's worth it. And I hope that encourages you to think, uh, maybe, maybe you're going through a struggle right now, and, and when you get up every day, you're like, well, why am I even fighting this Christian life? Um, why, why, what am I, why am I even trying so hard? I could just sit back and, and relax, put life on easy mode. But you can't. Like Micah said in, in his illustration of kayaking, you can't just sit there. The river is going to take you to the world. You have to choose to fight this good fight of faith. There, if there is such a thing as a good fight, there is bad fights, you know, especially in leadership. Good leaders know that battles are part of leadership, and, and the wise ones know how to choose their battles. And when there are bad ones, a lot of times we can get caught up in these smaller battles and get distracted from this good fight that Timothy is talking about. Uh, Micah talked about fleeing the love of money. Maybe, maybe you choose the fight of following after money. Maybe you choose the fight of following after worldly success. And, and you can choose these fights, you can choose these battles, but those ones aren't the ones that are worth it. The ones that are worth it are the ones that have eternal consequence and eternal value. That's why Paul says, lay hold on eternal life. 
when Paul speaks, he doesn't only speak to Timothy, and he doesn't only speak of his own crown of righteousness. The second part of 2 Timothy 4 and 7, or 2 Timothy 4, 8, it says, the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at, they, at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. And these are Paul's, some of his final words, uh, and it's to his summer intern. He says, Timothy, I've been through all of this. I've been through some crazy stuff in my life, but I fought the good fight. I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. And you know what? There's a crown of righteousness laid up for me that I'm going to enjoy, and it's going to be so worth it. And, and not just for me, Timothy, but for everyone who chooses to love his appearing. Now, I hope that this can be an encouragement and a reminder to you, church family, that when we choose to fight, even though it's rigorous, it's, it's difficult, it's not easy, that we're choosing a fight that we are called to is required. But not only is it this required, necessary fight, but it is rewarding and one day we'll receive a crown for it. I just want to thank you guys so much on behalf of Micah and Andy and myself for this opportunity to intern this summer. Like Micah said, we have learned so, so much from you guys, and we hope uh, that this message can be a little bit that you guys can learn from, not because we're smart, but because Paul gave some great advice to Timothy, his summer intern. Uh, but yeah, once again, thank you guys so much. Uh, we pray uh, that we will continue to fight this good fight of faith alongside you guys as we live our Christian lives. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.